podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 12 again. No, I'm not going to change the name of this podcast or our network. It is staying the way that it is. Sorry, folks. I'm too invested in it. I'm too invested. Speaking of investing, folks, you should be following Jamie's Twitter account because you should be getting her Big 12 Women's Basketball betting lines. She went 2-2 two and two on Wednesday, hit the Kansas money line with that giant upset over Texas in Austin. Where have we heard of Kansas beating Texas in Austin before? It sounds strangely familiar. Great night of women's basketball in the Big 12. Oklahoma getting the big win over Baylor at home. As I mentioned, Kansas getting the road win over Texas. TCU with a nice close home win over Oklahoma State. That was a that was a crazy game. And West Virginia with the win over Texas Tech. Women's basketball, it's crazy good. It's really good. I know the men's side has the depth from top to bottom, but this is the most wide open the, the women's side has been in a very long time. Baylor is 0-2 in conference play. They're sitting at the bottom. The bottom. Do you know who's in the top standings? 4-0 Iowa State, followed by 3-1 Oklahoma, 3-1 Kansas State, 2-1 Kansas. And then a couple of teams, three teams at 1-2, Texas, West Virginia, and TCU. This, I mean, I say it's open. I think the three teams at the top are the best, though I still think Texas is really stinking good. But for them to start 1-2 in conference play is crazy. But you need to be following Jamie's numbers. Girl is on fire. Okay. At J Styes. J-S-T-E-Y-Z. If you are not following her, that is your fault. That is your mistake. She does a great job covering Iowa State, and her numbers are fantastic. We are going to do a Big 12 hoops, or at least a basketball betting podcast soon. Trying to match up schedules with Jamie, who's on the road a lot with the uh, covering women's basketball for Iowa State. We're going to get Daniel on here. We're going to have both of them talk some hoops betting. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but today's podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. Doing a little bit different. Uh, no basketball interviews today. We are talking Big 12 wrestling. Seth Duckworth, uh, known best for his work at Pistol's Firing Blog, PFB, covering Oklahoma State, but he also writes for Intermat, where he covers the Big 12. He also writes about Oklahoma and Texas wrestling at O-Wrestle and Wrestling Texas. Guy just won an award as being like the journalist of the year in wrestling, okay, by the National Wrestling Media Association freaking awesome. He does great work. It's well-deserved award. And that's the kind of guy we want to get on the show. So we're going to talk Big 12 wrestling with him. Also, Tim Fitzgerald, who runs Go Power Camp, is going to join us. Uh, the Kansas State family had a loss just this past week. Former Kansas State quarterback Matt Miller passed away from prostate cancer. Um, prostate cancer awareness is something that is very important to Tim. Uh, so Tim's going to come on, talk about Miller, uh, talk about Prostate cancer, something that I think all guys need to be know, need to know more about. Like, there's just, it's important. Uh, we're also going to talk with him. We'll, we'll talk a little bit of football, a little bit about new Kansas State offensive coordinator Colin Klein, about him getting that gig. So this is a really good episode. I really like this one. Um, this is one of the reasons I, I do really enjoy the post-football season is we can talk about so many other things, bring on some great guests, cover the Olympic sports. Very excited for this. Uh, before we get to those things, Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere, and the longest running sponsor of both the Tindall Podcast and a proud sponsor of the 1012 Network. 
folks, I know Christmas is over and you're like, it's January, we're cutting back. I understand, I understand. But you guys do realize the big new Saturday season three starts at the end of the month. And the first school up is Cincinnati. They got one Cincinnati year, but you're going to get more Cincinnati. And look, I don't know if there's going to be any current Big 12 school that's available in the Big New Saturday Season 3. It's all very basketball-centric, so fingers crossed, Kansas. We will see. I don't know. If I find out, I'll, I'll tell you when I'm allowed to tell you, okay? But they do have current Big 12 schools like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Texas, and West Virginia, and Iowa State, and Baylor, and future Big 12 teams. Like, well, they'll soon have Cincinnati, finally, UCF, Houston, and BYU. So, homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1, to get 15% off your first order. Maybe you like Drake, maybe you like Auburn, maybe you like Buffalo, maybe you like Southern Indiana or Purdue, maybe you like Michigan or North Carolina A&T. Maybe you're a Xavier fan or Virginia Tech, or maybe you just went and saw the Hawaii shirts and went, I got to have me one of those. Homefieldapparel.com, promo code NETWORK12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever find today. All right. Seth Duckwork, wrestling, Tim Fitzgerald, two great guests coming up. Let's get to it. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right. I know basketball season is hot and heavy. Football just wrapped up. But basketball is not the only sport that's going on right now. Wrestling season, it's hot and heavy. It's right in the middle of things. The Big 12 season is going great. Uh, Oklahoma State, the best in the conference, it seems, thus far, as usual. But I do think this conference is getting more competitive. Iowa State, uh, Missouri, back in the conference is a big deal. So I wanted to talk a little Big 12 wrestling. When it comes to that, there's one person I think of and want to go to, and that is Seth Duckworth. Uh, Seth, I, I would say you're from this, but you write for so many things. Like I, I'm not, I'd have a list to go with. Intermat, Pistols Firing, uh, Oklahoma Wrestling, Wrestling Texas. Like you, you do a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as you know, like you, you and I were both uh, with Pistols Firing right when I first started. Um, and so that was kind of how I broke in the door, so to speak, I guess. And, uh, of course, Oklahoma State grad and, you know, knew the program well and everything. Uh, so I started writing for Pistols Firing about Oklahoma State. Um, that led to other opportunities, so to speak. And I, I wrote for Flow for a little bit. And then uh, a bunch of other – it's kind of a long story for, you know, people that really follow wrestling closely kind of know. But a, split off, a couple of split-offs of Flow from the old Flow CEO, he started a new company. And it's opened the window for a lot of like regional networks, so to speak, regional websites, I should say, um, for wrestling. Where uh, and so O Wrestle is the Oklahoma one, and then Texas Wrestling Texas is a Texas one. And the guy that bought O Wrestle, you know, first I kind of started talking to him, and uh, that opened that door, and I started writing for them, and then. Um, and liked him, got along with him well, so on and so forth. And he runs a couple other websites. And I, I we were talking before the recording and everything, but I, I, last year for my, my day job, I was in Texas 
um, in El Paso for most of the year. And so I was able to kind of, the same guy that owns Wrestling Texas owns O Russell. And so I kind of parlayed that into another deal because I was there and could go to tournaments. And, you know, we already kind of had that built-in relationship. And then specific to the Big 12, I uh, Intermat reached out to me about seven, eight months ago, I believe, and asked me if I wanted to. And, and basically they have correspondence for each conference. And they asked me if I wanted to do Big 12 and – I kind of felt like I, I could manage it, even though that is a, a lot going on, a lot of different websites and everything. Um, so I started doing that. So I've been covering uh, the Big 12 for internet uh, for, like I say, seven or eight months, something like that. Before we dive in, uh, a round of applause and congratulations, sir. It was announced uh, Wednesday today, National Writing, uh, or National Wrestling Media Association. You were named the Journalist of the Year for 2020 and 2021, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a great group. I, I know some of the people involved with it and respect all of them and think very highly of them. And uh, found out I, I got nominated last year, didn't win last year, and then found out I got nominated this year. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know the whole process, but I know they voted on some different stuff and found out I won today. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Definitely, awesome. definitely a rewarding feeling to hear that, you know, I don't know, people do like your work or whatever. So, I mean, if you got that many people coming to hire you, it's, that's probably speaks pretty highly of you. And that's <laughs> one of the reasons uh, that we're excited to have you on the show today to talk uh, talk Big 12 wrestling. You, you know, Intermat's Big 12 correspondent, a guy I've been following uh, for the incredible work you've been doing for Pistols Fire and covering Oklahoma State. So let's start there. Um, Oklahoma State's basically kind of owned this conference for for a while. Uh, it, seemed, it seemed like it's been down, the conference as a whole, a little bit. Um, and, and for those who don't know, the, the Big 12 conference is a little bit weird as far as the teams that are in it. You've got your Oklahoma, you've got your Oklahoma State, uh, your Iowa State, and your West Virginia. Uh, Missouri, who had left and was part of the MAC, uh, is back now. Uh, and then you've got a number of teams like Northern Iowa and Air Force and, uh, and, and, and man, I, now I'm going to blank on all the other random teams in the Big 12. So it's a little bit of a – when you get to other sports, people don't realize this. You get some weird conferences like West Virginia and TCU both have rifle. There's no Big 12 rifle. Uh, SEC doesn't uh, host wrestling. So we'll talk about Oklahoma and them in a minute. But looking at this Big 12 conference, it did feel like it was down for a couple of years. Does, does it feel like the conference as a whole is is trending in back upward in the right direction? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so – you know, traditionally, if you go back to the the old Big Eight and then um, and even the early Big Twelve before all the conference realignment shifts and stuff started, the Big Twelve was or the the Big Eight Big slash Big Twelve was one of the strongest conferences in the country, and there's no doubt about it. OU, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's obviously you could speak all day about their tradition, thirty four national titles, of, you know, I don't know a million individual titles, all that other stuff. Um, but OU in their own right has a really strong tradition. They had seven national titles, a bunch of gold medals. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of – some people say that, you know, OU fans don't care about wrestling or whatever. They, there's a chunk of them that do, and they, they really do have historically a very, very good program. They, they've been a little down recently, but, uh, but uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But anyway, so the old Big Eight days, you had them, uh, of course, OU, OSU, Iowa State, Iowa State's another traditional rich program, seven national titles, greatest college wrestler ever in Kale Sanderson was from there. Dan Gable 
examples from there. Um, you know, just you can go down the list of, of highlights uh, you would associate with uh, with Ohio State's wrestling history. Um, and then uh, before all the conference realignment and everything, you had Missouri and you had Nebraska. And so even though it was, it was kind of a smaller conference back then, it was just uh, uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, OU, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, and I may be drawing a blank on, uh, on, but even if it was just those five teams, that's a ton of tradition, a lot of really good wrestling programs. Um, you know, Nebraska down there in the Big Ten. Um, and like you talked about a little bit with Mizzou going to the SEC, um, that kind of, and then now coming back to the Big 12. But, but, but traditionally, like, uh, the Big 12 was, was a really, really – the Big 8 Big 12 was a really, really good wrestling program – or wrestling conference. When all the realignment shifting stuff started happening, um, you, you know, you lost Nebraska and Missouri. It's just, and those are two very, very tradition-rich programs, strong wrestling programs, so on and so forth. And for a couple of years, they just did the four-team deal where they had – State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and uh, West Virginia, and that's that really just wasn't the you know there's a weak conference tournament. They changed some of the rules, and I don't remember exactly how it worked. But for NCAA qualifications, you, if your conference was that small, you couldn't even qualify for the NCAA tournament. Couldn't get automatic bids at least. Um, so when all that was coming about, Bowlesby um, approached what's called the Western Wrestling Conference, which is Utah Valley, uh, Northern Colorado. Um, Wyoming, uh, Air Force, all, all the schools you're kind of rattling off early, earlier. And the Big 12 absorbed all, all those as affiliate members of the conference. And so now the Big 12 tournament has 12 teams. It's a lot. I mean, just in doing that, it made it a lot stronger in many ways. But you have uh, – you still have Oklahoma State's dominoes because OU's been down a little bit. Iowa State's been down a little bit. And um, so Oklahoma State was just kind of rolling it over the last couple of years. And I think that's a big part of the reason they brought Missouri back. Because, of course, as you said, Missouri goes to the SEC. They lose, uh, you know, they lose their wrestling conference because SEC doesn't sponsor wrestling. Then they kind of hang out in the MAC for 10 years. And, and you know, there are a lot of bad blood with the big executives and, and people that aren't really, I would say, don't really care about wrestling, I guess would be the way to put it. Like, you know, big money people and stuff like that. So they didn't want to give Missouri any lifelines. And the rumors I heard, I don't know how true this is, but it was more Kansas and Kansas State that pushed that, that wouldn't let them say Big 12. I don't know if that's, you know, like I said, it's a little bit rumor stuff or whatever. But anyway, so time heals all wounds. Now Missouri's came back. And slowly, I think, as the, the conference absorbed all those other, those other teams, they've improved. Um, Northern Colorado broke into the top 25 for the first time in like 60 years last year or something like that. Um, Iowa State and Oklahoma have been, again, their traditional rich programs, but they were kind of down. Um, they hired new coaches and, you know, big uh, OU shared the Big 12 title last year. And uh, and Iowa State's had a couple national champions and what they have going with uh, Dresser up there is, is really good. And also, Kind of related to that, Northern Iowa got brought in as well uh, from the MAC. They're a really strong program. Uh, one of, you know, there's not a whole lot of wrestling co colleges because that have national titles. Uh, you know, OU, Iowa State, Penn State, 
Iowa and almost say make up like the majority of the national championships. And uh, Northern Iowa actually has one, you know, it's back in the forties or something, but that's something pretty notable. And they're, you know, a wrestling state in Iowa. So they, they get a lot of fans that support it and everything like that. Uh, so that was a really strong program to bring in. And again, I, I think those, some of the quote unquote lower tier program programs, the Utah Valleys, the, that sort of thing are building themselves up with that association with the big 12, but it's still, you're miles away from what say the big 10 is, which big 10 is the, the dominant wrestling conference in the country right now. So. Yeah. I mean, they've won four, 14 straight national champions have come from the big 10 Penn state's got eight of those. Iowa's got three or four of those. And you got a, uh, an Ohio state and a Minnesota thrown in. Um, I mean, the last non-Big Ten team to win was when Oklahoma State won four in a row from 2003 to 2006. Now, if you've seen a couple of Big 12 teams, OSU finished runner-up a couple of years, Iowa State finished runner-up one year. Um, But even looking at the runner-ups the last few years, I mean, it's been Big Ten dominant. You, I've seen some conversations you've had with fans on Twitter, and, and you wrote a really interesting article about Oklahoma State's schedule this year not being great for fans just because you know the big match against Iowa is being played down in Texas at a baseball field which whatever I don't this whole push to that stadium I don't love but whatever um what what can they do I mean the Big Ten they're selling out I think was it Purdue whoever Purdue faced recently they had a sellout like Purdue had a sellout for wrestling because they were facing, I think, what was it, Penn State or Iowa. Um, here's the question for the Big 12. You know, what, what what can the Big 12 do realistically, if in your opinion, to try and continue to raise the bar to where I, I don't think they can get back. I don't know that they can get to Big 10. But the question is, how can they get more close to on par with the Big 10 in wrestling right now? So, yeah, I mean, the the... Iowa State, the Penn State, the Ohio State fan base, they're just rabid and they, you know, they are all in. Really, if you look at across college sports, the the pecking order, so to speak, is college football, college basketball, college baseball, typically. The Big Ten, it's college football, college uh, basketball, and college wrestling. And it's not close. I mean, the Big Ten, like the Big Ten Network, you flip it on half the time, there's a wrestling match on there. They have, you know, hour-long shows and stuff in the middle of the day that are dedicated to just talking about college wrestling in, in the Big Ten and stuff. So I, I think getting to that level is – is I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's not <laughs> feasible, but it, it would be very, very difficult to do. But how you, how you close the gap is you get the tradition-rich programs back on their feet. And that's – I you know, I, I – started off covering Oklahoma state. I attended college at Oklahoma state, all that other, just, I started off just covering Oklahoma state. I attended college at Oklahoma state, you know, I, I'm wide open, you know, I know as a journalist you're supposed to be a little bit like not biased, but I am a little bit of an Oklahoma state fan, but like I have kind of arguments with people all the time that you want OU to be relevant in wrestling and better than they are. You don't want them to be like, we, we kind of talked about it offline a little bit, but, you don't want them going to the Mac or whatever and not wrestling OSU anymore. You want them to get back on the saddle and be, you know, a top five program because that feeds, that gets you on national TV. They, I mean, they, they, I mean, heck, they're on ESPN this year anyway, or ESPNU, but um, that gets that duel on national TV. That gets, you know, packed 
stadiums, uh, filled up Gallagher Iba when you bring a bunch of recruits in, things like that. So I think when you, if you look at it, that's the easiest answer because it's not very realistic, so to speak, to expect the Iowa State, or excuse me, the, the Utah Valleys of the world to suddenly be a powerhouse wrestling program. But you can't expect that from Iowa State. You can expect that from OU because they've been it before. Traditionally, they're, you know, both of them are top five programs. They, they have a lot of history. That, so I think that's the, the uh, biggest piece that, that the world, that, you know, the Big 12 can kind of control is those programs elevate themselves a little bit and get better. That's that's a massive game changer for the conference as a whole. Suddenly, OSU, you know, you have these big highlight duels that the entire wrestling community is talking about versus, you know, an afterthought and everybody just knowing that Bedlam's going to be a blowout or whatever. Um, and so, and then, so that's a big piece of it. I, I think your tradition with programs are, are, are how you kind of, once, if they're restored, that helps a lot. I think uh, your, uh, this has been brought up to me a couple of times, but there is a fact that, that Iowa and Penn State and Ohio State are in like larger areas. So naturally their fans can show up a lot easier than, you know, Stillwater, which is only 40,000 people or whatever. And everybody has to come from Tulsa and Oklahoma City and different stuff like that. Um, but I think if you kind of, the, the biggest answer or the most straightforward answer is just you, you kind of restore some of those tradition rich programs with guys that are winning national titles every year that are, you know, they're also getting on the podium next to not maybe not you know overtaking OSU in the on the national scene, but at least up there with them, and you know winning team trophies, top four win team trophies. So if like you kind of get in that where it's Oklahoma's a top five team, Iowa State's a top five team, and they can be, they have all the power in the world to do it because they have money, they have tradition, they have all this other stuff. Then that kind of can can bring back a little bit of the shine that that was in the the old Big Eight and the old Big 12 and, and the way that conference was viewed, so. Uh, you know, for, talking, speaking of Oklahoma State, you know, you, we're looking for them for the big matchups. They've got Missouri on the road. That's in February. Uh, Iowa State is currently, I mean, looking at the current rankings from the NCAA, uh, let's see, OSU is fourth. Um, they've got a, they got a matchup with Missouri, of course, on the road later in, or in February, who's number nine. Iowa State is currently ranked 11th. Uh, Oklahoma's ranked 18th, so it's it's not that the conference is is doomed, but when you look at it, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan are one, two, three. Ohio State seven. Um, so it it does feel like the the teams that you need to be good, except for maybe Oklahoma, are moving in the right direction. I do think Oklahoma is getting better than they were. Speaking of Oklahoma, we've kind of we kind of danced around this. I mean, what have you heard as far as whether or not Oklahoma will be allowed to keep their wrestling program in the Big Twelve when they move to the SEC, whenever that happens? I think they will. I haven't heard anything direct. So the the sort of buzz and just conversations, and honestly, I, it was brought up. I can't remember if it was a, a press conference what we were talking about, but. Um, with John Smith at some point, and it may have been like an offline just conversation or something, but um, that he thought, he thinks they're gonna be able to stay around. And that there were, the reason being is, is there's just not, whatever schools that blocked it, Missouri from staying in the first go round, aren't 
really interested. Don't I, whatever it is, they just don't have enough skin in the game with OU, so to speak, to keep them out. And since that, we we saw that play out with Mizzou where they went to the MAC and then come back. I think everybody's just kind of sees it as a okay. If we push them to the MAC, they're just gonna, it's going to come full circle and come right back around and then come back. And so, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so I don't see them. I just don't see it happening. I, I, I think they stay in the Big 12 uh, for wrestling. And I, I don't know. There, there's as much as, again, we we talked about a little bit. I, I'm an Oakland State guy all the way around. But nobody wants to, like, if you're in the wrestling community and a wrestling fan or person or whatever, like, you don't want to see OU slip off into obscurity and then drop the program or something like that. And so, like, the John Smiths of the world, you know, you might have, like, some diehard OSU fans or just, like, to heck with them they don't want you know to give them that life raft so to speak or whatever but the the john smiths of the world the the influential wrestling people want them to stay and and so i i think ultimately their vote is going to be the most important thing but there might be some big money person or whatever and the, you know that almost that very often supersedes what the you know the people that know what's best for the sport say and if they say hey no you know we, we don't want to you in then they, they might not be back be able to stay but ultimately like they make the conference better you know i, I even again they're they're not they did tie for the big 12 title last year they've kind of underperformed this year a little bit um and, and i would say most people if you're an OU fan you would probably say roselli has underperformed their current coach has underperformed uh, expectations a little bit, but they're still, you know, solid. They're still better than a lot of teams. They still are going to beat, um, you know, I don't know, schools from, they're going to beat the some of the schools that the Big 12 absorbed from the Western Wrestling Conference. They're going to beat um, even some of the lower tier Big 10 schools. They're going to beat some of the ACC schools, some of the Pac-12 schools. So. It's, you want them in your conference. And then, I mean, and beyond that, even up from a financial standpoint, you get, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, maybe two, 300 of their fans that show up in Tulsa to go to the Big 12 tournament and buy tickets and spend money and all that stuff. They want that too. So that's another piece of it. But, um, which I mean, I know that's not like a huge number, but it still doesn't hurt anything for sure. So I don't know. I, I think they stick around, but again, it's way above my pay grade or my level of knowledge and who the heck knows what might play out there because conference realignment stuff is pretty wild so no absolutely i mean it, it's i would hope that cooler heads could prevail to some extent um because that would be smart and i would love to see somebody actually have to stand in front of of, of coach smith and tell him no oklahoma has to go like yeah good luck with that you you stand in front of him and tell him no, <laughs> uh, no. Um, speaking of Oklahoma State, you know this has been the the top team in the conference for I mean, ever. I, I know other teams have won the conference in the past. That's not the point. The point is um, they've been the top dog for a while now, and it's been a while. Like we mentioned, Oklahoma State's the last non Big Ten team to win a national title. OSU hasn't been able to do it for quite some time. It does feel like the program's moving in the right direction, closer to that. The roster this year looks. It feels really good. I feel like there's been a lot more talk about the talent and the depth on this roster this year. I'm curious, if you were to give it percentages, what are the things you think that have kind of 
I'm not saying brought Oklahoma State down, but kind of held them back from being able to claim the crown again is how much of it falls on Oklahoma State's lack of investment into the program, which I know that they're now looking to finally do. How much of that is the the Big 12 as a conference kind of falling back? And how much of that is just the Big 10 becoming so good? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's Kale Sanderson. <laughs> I would say that's your number one thing. He's a good coach. He's figured out. I mean, okay, so you look at the, the Oklahoma, the, the last run of State had where they won four national titles. Um, part of it is, I mean, they had all the things that are working against Oklahoma State right now that 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 say like Penn State has and Oklahoma State doesn't have. They had brand new Gallagher was brand new. You know, they it was they just built this brand new. You know, not Gall- like Gallagher Hall had just expanded and they got the new wrestling room and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, you have John Smith as your head coach. At that moment in time in the world, John Smith was the, and he still is the best freestyle American wrestler ever, but he was the wrestler. Like he was the guy on the Wheaties box. He was the guy, I don't know if he's ever on the Wheaties box, but he was the guy that every kid had the signature John Smith shoes. It was the guy that every kid, like when you looked at the definition of wrestler at that, in that era, he was the guy that just did it. And then, you know, had gotten into coaching. And so people wanted to wrestle for him. Everybody knew, you know, who he was, so on and so forth. So that's easy to recruit. I mean, it's it's really not a, oh, you want to go this place that has 34 national titles. They got a brand new facility. They got John Smith. All those things. That's why they were winning back then. Now John's kind of older. And I mean, I like the guy a lot. He's a great dude. I think he's a wonderful coach. I don't think anybody could do it any better at Oklahoma State than John. But um, – He's he doesn't have the facilities anymore. I mean, I know they're rebuilding this stuff here pretty soon, but it, it's not even going to be close to what I was about to build. It's not close to what Penn State currently has. It's like they're behind, they're way behind the eight ball in that conversation. You look at fans showing up, fan, like again, we talked about it earlier, the, the the attendance levels and part of that, there's there's a whole lot of factors that play into that. But if if you know a kid comes on a recruiting trip and sees 2,000 people on a match versus going to Penn State where they see 10,000 or whatever it is, um, it, you know, that's more enticing. Um, so, and, and I, I will say this, that the uh, attendance has improved at Oklahoma State recently, and I think it's trending in the right direction. Um, recruiting has improved dramatically. And, and the, the other biggest factor in, in, in all this, and you, Penn State had the perfect storm. They had – they have a state that's 10 times the size. I don't know how much bigger Pennsylvania is than Oklahoma, but much larger than Oklahoma with blue chip wrestling recruits all dotted across the state. Now, <clears throat> Oklahoma's a great wrestling state. It's, you know, Dayton Fix. I don't know. Carter Young's a starter right now. Uh, if you look up and down the lineup, I think there's probably seven kids that are on the starting lineup right now, all from Oklahoma. Um, and Ferrari, really, you know, he's from Texas, but he, which is, kind of the closest D1 program to him. So that, that helps. Um, so, but all that's positive, but the pin, you, you drop the guy, like I said, the guy that's on the Wheaties box, the guy that every kid grew up with his wrestling shoe and Kale Sanderson in the middle of Pennsylvania, the hottest recruiting ground in the entire country. It's 
it's easy. It's, I mean, it's like he gets to pick who he wants, basically. And so it's really, really easy for him to recruit just whoever, you know. And we, you see it in football. It's no different in wrestling. The guys with the biggest stars, the guys with the biggest names, the guys with all that stuff are who go on to college and win. Luckily, in the last two or three years, Oklahoma State has had a lot of close tie-ins with kids of that level, be it like they might be from here locally, like – Dayton Fix, whose dad wrestled in Oklahoma State, so it's easy to recruit him because, you know, he, that tradition's there. You have Dustin Plott, who's from Tuttle, Oklahoma, who, which isn't far away, obviously. And he was the number two recruit in the country behind uh, Ferrari a couple of years ago. Ferrari, who's from Dallas and, you know, has been coming to camps to NOSU like his whole life. And so you see, and then Basically, as they recruit all these kids, they get like Ferrari is a great example. He's got two stud others will be in right behind him in, in the next couple of years. One will be in next year, <coughs> and one will be a couple of years later. He's a sophomore right now, but uh, but recruiting, you know, that the regional recruiting is important too because the parents want to come watch their kids, they want to, so you got to have high-level wrestlers coming out of Oklahoma. And and really, in in the last little bit, the last three, four years, whatever it's been, OSU's had a lot of really high-level recruiting classes, and it's all because they're recruiting these kids that are nearby. So that, that's a huge, huge factor. And, and if, if these coaches in, in Oklahoma can continue to push out guys like Dustin Plott, Jordan Williams, Dayton Fix, these other kids that are coming in, uh, Zach Blankenship, Carter Young is – uh, you know, a freshman right now, true freshman starting at 141. All those kids, if, if, if the state can keep producing those, that's another big, big factor that can really, really help get OSU back. I, I didn't realize the uh, the blue chip ratio of wrestlers was all in, in the state of Pennsylvania, which is crazy, but I, I don't know. That's wild. As much as we pay attention to recruiting, you know, we don't think about it as much in the other sports. Um, okay, let's let's wrap with this, Seth. I know you're a little under weather, so we appreciate you uh, giving us so much of your time tonight. Uh, Look at the Big 12. Is this another year where Oklahoma State's going to claim the conference title? Or do you see someone else who could potentially truly rival them uh, in, in Tulsa at the Big 12 championship game? Um, I, I think Oklahoma State's still the favorite. Um, I picked uh, in one of my – Preseason write-ups for Intermap. I actually picked Missouri um, because the way Missouri sets up, they have a really deep, like across the board lineup where you can see, I don't know, eight or nine of their guys all winning the conference. Realistically, you you they're that kind of depth, but they've slipped a little bit. They've lost matches. They've had guys that I thought were like conference title contenders preseason lose matches that I wouldn't have expected. So I do think Missouri still got the firepower to do it. I think they're they're a good team. I think they have they have a kid at one sixty five that might be a national champ this year. Uh, they they've got they're, they're good, but I, I I think I give OSU the edge right now. Just what I've actually seen during the year preseason. Again, I picked Mizzou, but OSU's Carter Young's been pretty good, and and he did some things that in freestyle that really kind of opened everybody's eyes and think, okay, this kid could be pretty good. I think Caden G Feller has been a little bit better at 149 for OSU than I would have expected. Um, and the, there's just a couple other little spots that OSU stayed pretty healthy. Um, 174 Dustin plot is uh, he, I kind of had a wait and see approach with him because last year he was hurt 
year. And you knew seeing him out of high school, he could be really, really good. Um, but last year he basically wrestled with no shoulder. And so now that he's got surgery to repair that, I think he, it's he's jumped levels and he'll, he'll be able to contend for the Big 12 title this year. He's that kind of good. Uh, similar with at 125, it's not really an injury thing, but at 125, OSU's a lot better better than I expected. Their, their kid was a fresh, true freshman last year. He really jumped levels. So I think OSU's still a team, but Mizzou's got a lot of talent. And, I mean, it's not some foregone conclusion. It's going to be one that, you know, you're going to want to pay attention to going into Saturday or Sunday night because uh, it's going to be a tight team race. Uh, Iowa State is, is a little bit – they kind of did some weird stuff with their lineup that I wouldn't have expected. And that – I wouldn't say it took him out of the race, but it hurt him a little bit. Um, but they're right there, too. They've got a national champ returning at 157. I mean, and he could pin his way through the Big 12 tournament. Um, they, they'll get a lot of bonus points there. And then they've got this a lot of other moving parts that are, are pretty solid. Their 197 is a lot better than I expected. Um, the, 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 they're kind of the third team that, that could jump in that conversation. But most people would probably say it's between OSU and Mizzou. So. Uh, is this another Big Ten national championship this year? Yeah. I, okay, so there's – if you, for people that follow wrestling closely, um, Penn State – and it, it, most people this season viewed it as a two-horse race between Penn State and Iowa. I, and that's who finished first and second last year with Oklahoma State finishing third. Um, just maybe two weeks ago, something like that, uh, I was national champion, 125-pound Hodge winner that that really would probably just blow through the tournament. It was announced that he's out for the season. So that's a huge, huge, huge – I mean, it's under I, – I couldn't overstate how big of a blow that is to Iowa's title chances. And you <coughs> – they're, they're going to drop a freshman, a true freshman in there, and they'll do okay, I'm sure. But they just lose a ton of points, a uh, uh, ton of really guaranteed points, I would say, at the national tournament by not having um, him anymore. And so Penn State got a few, like, late transfers and some different things. And, uh, like, they, they brought in an All-American at 125 which is a, he's a fifth-year senior, and he transferred mid-semester, so he just started wrestling for them. And then Michigan has a really good team. I actually I, – I think it's Penn State's to lose now. With Iowa taking that guy out um, for the season, they, they, like I say, they lose too much to be able to really still contend with what Penn State has. OSU, I think, is still in the – I mean, they're, the, they're not out of the conversation by any means. But there's a lot of uncertainty about just how good some of their guys are because they have a really young team and they're only wrestling, you know, they're they're not hitting every big ranked national person so far. So it's, some of them it's kind of like, really, how good is this kid? So, I mean, I think if maybe some of these kids are, are a little bit better than I'm, I realize because they're not – they just haven't hit the talent that, that to, to really see it, I guess, so to speak, then <laughs> – OSU might be able to get in the conversation. I don't know. But really, it looks like it's Penn State's to lose on paper right now. Um, like I say, they, they got, I don't know, five national champions back, I think, something like that. And so who knows how to play <laughs> and if somebody gets COVID at the last minute or some crazy, you know, injuries, they're still 
hard to wrestle that before we actually get to March. So some of that stuff plays out, then it might open the door a little bit wider for OSU. Uh, but it's just gonna gonna be hard to overtake Penn State uh, this year. But I will say that there's with the Iowa kid out, there's a little bit more of a door open than originally would have been. But Penn State's just done so many little things that it's hard to see uh, them catching them. So. Uh, well, so if anybody is interested in catching some Big 12 wrestling, uh, ESPN, you will be broadcasting the Oklahoma State rest, or West Virginia match at noon on Sunday. Uh, good opportunity. You know, if you guys want to catch it, that's a great time. Great way to do so. If you haven't had a chance to watch some Big 12 wrestling, it is, it's, it's fun, folks. It's a lot of fun to watch. Seth, again, uh, congrats on the award. And, dude, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Love the opportunity to talk about some of the other sports, the Olympic sports here in the Big 12, and you do an amazing job of covering it. Uh, do me a favor real quick. Where can everybody find your work and follow it? All right, it's all over the place. Uh, Oklahoma State stuff is all on pistolsfiringblog.com. Uh, um, my Big 12 stuff, specific stuff, is uh, on uh, Intermat. Um, Intermat.com is kind of it's one of the older uh, – wrestling web pages out there. I'm the big 12 correspondent for them. Um, O-Wrestle and Wrestling Texas are the other two sites I write for. Um, if you're looking specifically for big 12 stuff, I do a lot of OU stuff on O-Wrestle. Um, you know, Texas doesn't have a D1 program, so there's nothing there. But uh, but those are, those are the spots, and I appreciate you all checking it out. So. If you, you can find more, you follow him. Uh, follow Seth on Twitter if you are on the tweets at Seth underscore Duckworth. Uh, Seth, again, man, thank you so much, bud. Uh, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hopefully we can uh, we can preview the uh, Big 12 tournament uh, when it uh, gets here later this year. Yeah, let's do it, man. Your home for everything Kansas Jayhawks is the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz, and every week we run through the most important stories for all your favorite Kansas programs, whether it's football, soccer, or tennis, volleyball, or basketball, baseball and softball, or any other Jayhawk competition, we have it. We have game previews and recaps, interviews with coaches and others close to the team, and analysis from those who pay close attention to all of these programs. You can find us by searching for Rock Chalk Podcast on your favorite platform, so start listening today. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, My co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Uh, we're we're going to take a moment and uh, and talk about what I think is a, is a serious issue and, and very serious to our next guest. Uh, that is Tim Fitzgerald, a publisher of Go Power Cats, uh, covers Kansas State. If you're not aware of them, Tim is a, is a fantastic follow on social. Uh, but today I want to talk about something, like I said, it's a little bit a little bit sadder. Uh, Kansas State losing one of their own, former quarterback Matt Miller, uh, lost his battle to prostate cancer uh, this past week. Um, and, and 
Tim, look, I, I, I did a little bit of reading up on him, uh, but I'm less interested in, in his career at Kansas State, more interested in, you know, prostate cancer is such an important thing uh, to you. Uh, it's it's a, a passion that you have, you being someone who uh, whose prostate cancer is in, in remission. Um, talk a little bit to us about, about Matt Miller uh, and, and what happened with him. Well, Matt was the Kansas State quarterback in the 1995 season, which was a an important kind of bridge season from their first bowl games under quarterback Chad May and kind of set the tone for the offense that would become Kansas State's regular offense once Michael Bishop got there. He was really the first dual threat Bill Snyder had at Kansas State. He went on to join the coaching staff was at Kansas State through Bill Snyder's first retirement and then was briefly the head coach down at Garden City Community College before his life kind of you know, got off track a little bit. He suffered about a dozen concussions through his career. He had probably very serious CT issues that, um, you know, bluntly added uh, a lot of stress to his life and, and probably put him on the road to addiction. But he fought through that. And so 18 months ago or so, when Matt started to have some really serious medical problems at age 47, nobody ever imagined it was prostate cancer because it's something we don't, typically test men for until 50 at the earliest and uh it was prostate cancer he he went to the doctor went to the hospital in pittsburgh kansas where he was living and was immediately life flighted to topeka and eventually the diagnosis was it's stage four metastatic prostate cancer which is meaning it had spread into his bones turned into turned out to be in his brain um just throughout his body which is Atrocious. I mean, it's unbelievable that um, he had this advanced cancer before the age when the medical community and insurance companies want to even test for it. But it's something we're seeing. I mean, I was diagnosed at 53, um, and honestly, I was mine was caught by the grace of God by pure chance. I had a physical while applying for life insurance, and they caught my PSA score it was too high. Went to the doctor, and I'm telling you, if, if they hadn't caught it. When they did in March of 2018, I'd probably have been on a similar path as Matt because they caught mine stage four. It spread in my body, but not metastatic into my bones or anything else. So it uh, they, they got it just in time. But Matty fought like hell. He did. Um, once he had his diagnosis, he was relentless with radiation and chemo. Um, but honestly, it was a fight. He just there was no way to win it. It was too far advanced by the time he was diagnosed and um it, you know we rebonded we re you know connected at that point um as i have lent my support to any man who is going through this uh, to try to help them through the process but man this was this was painful this 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 sucks i mean he should not have prostate cancer at this age but uh he did and the medical community uh, is asleep at the wheel if they're only testing at 50 or even 55. And some doctors don't even want to test with the PSA. The PSA is just a simple blood test that shows your levels of prostate-specific antigens in your blood. And as they rise, it is an indication of trouble. And it is the best way to get an early indication of prostate cancer. And early detection of prostate cancer means it's almost 100% survivable. Once it spreads, your odds flip, and and the odds are against you living more than five years, and that's where Matt was. 
you know, as you mentioned, you you yourself have have dealt with this, and I've, I followed that some um, in your journey, which you've talked about very openly on social media and and to anyone who will listen. I mean, this has been a uh, this has been kind of a something that's been very you've been very passionate about, and it's something that's been very important to you is continuing to to build this awareness about prostate cancer and 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 the testing for it. I mean, I, I I'm curious, you know, what do you think can be done to to help catch this earlier? Well, first of all, the medical community and insurance companies need to embrace earlier testing because, I mean, every man by age 45 should have a baseline score. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're healthy, get that PSA scored, and we can know where your PSA should be. So if it starts to travel upwards, we know where it's headed, how quickly it's headed, and that really helps with detection and knowing how severe your cancer might be. Um, but it's prostate cancer. Uh, and, and guys, are, it's very private to men. Um, you know, it's emasculating. Some of the things that we go through with this, you know, uh, and, and I've, I decided from the start, I'm an open book. Uh, you know, I'm an open book. I, yeah, if anyone wants to ask me anything, uh, I will share it with them. And even if they don't want to know the details, I'll make lots of uh, jokes about wetting my pants, which I don't do very often, but it's, it's great for my comedy routine. So it's great. Um, but it, there's a lot of things that go with it that are very emasculating, permanent erectile dysfunction, things guys just don't want to think about, let alone talk about. And I decided I'm putting it all out there. I'm going to try to desensitize guys to this. I'm going to try to let them know that, hey, if you don't want to go through the crap that I'm going through, just get to your doctor, man. It's easy. Just go to your doctor, get your PSA scored, stay on top of it, and if anything pops up, They'll catch it early, boom, solved. That's prostate cancer can be knocked out in the early stages. So um, Matt, uh, as, at first, was very private about his cancer battle. And then finally, he said, you know what, let's, let's do your podcast, my Life of Fits podcast, which is more of my personal podcast than my work one. Um, and we talked about it on there, and he went public, and he, he recognized at that point it was important that he tells his story to wake men up, particularly men more in his age bracket, because... It is a problem, and it seems to be a growing problem in the United States as we get earlier and earlier cases um, of advanced prostate cancer in men that honestly are too young by medical standards to have it. In fact, when I was diagnosed, I had already had two fraternity brothers my age or younger that had had stage 3 prostate cancer in their early 50s or late 40s. And so this is out there, and uh, we're, I'm just doing everything I can to raise awareness about just go get your PSA score, man. It's painless. It's easy. You might have to push your doctor because they might not want to do it, but get that baseline score. I mean, I think it's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm again, followed your, your fight and your battle. And I think it's, it's incredible what you've been doing and trying to push something that, you know, I, with, without, I, I look, I'm in my late thirties. Um, it's not something I've even had to think about. And, but you know, it's something that I have become more aware of because of you. So I want to give you full credit for that. Um, for those who want to be able to continue to follow your journey, where can they do that? Well, you can, uh, follow me on Twitter. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Life of fits, um, on Twitter and pretty much I'm on all social media platforms, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm screaming this as loudly as I can. I appreciate you lending me your mountain. That's been my motto. Let me your mountain so I can kneel off the top of it uh, for all to hear. Um, and, guys, we're in charge of this. We can blame the doctors. We can blame the medical community. But at the end of the day, we're in charge of our own health. 
And uh, that's what I tell all cancer people, not just prostate. You're you're in charge. It, it's like running a, a, a sports team. You're the GM. You get to hire your coach, which is your oncologist, and you get to pick who's on your team. And anyone that's not moving you in a positive direction, you get them off your team. And I don't care if they're relatives. You get them off your team because it's so important to be positive in your fight. And I think Matt extended his life with his positivity. So uh, I, I will continue to beat this room. I will continue to talk about these things. I will continue to make men uncomfortable if that's what it takes to make them understand that uh, this is this is something that isn't an old man's cancer. This is a, a cancer that can hit any of us. Particularly if you have history of prostate cancer in your family, you better get to your doctor at, at 40 or earlier to get that baseline score because they need to stay on top of it. And you know what? Minorities, for whatever reason, and there's you know some factors there, Black and Latino men are three times more likely to die of prostate cancer than white men. Maybe access to medical, good medical care. Maybe society has just told them not to go to the doctor, and it's just kind of ingrained in their culture. Um, and maybe there's some also um, genetic um, indications that might lead them to be more uh, susceptible to this cancer. But um, just get to your doctor, guys. That's, that's it. And I've had so many guys tell me, just like you, I didn't really need to go for my prostate yet. I'm too young. But I went to the doctor, and they caught and fill in the blank. It's happened. In fact, one of my Twitter followers just said he went to the doctor for his PSA, and they found another tumor, another type of cancer. Just get to your doctor. No one. No, I don't care if you're an old farmer. I don't care if you're a former athlete. I don't care if you're the toughest guy in the gym. Nobody's tougher than untreated cancer, period. Tim, again, incredible stuff. Um, glad to see that, that your work is paying off for, for those out there. And, and now I feel like I need to go get my my score and, and find out for myself. Uh, before we get you out of here, I do want to talk. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit of Kansas State football with you real quick. Um, one of the biggest news for Kansas State, aside from the Adrian Martinez transfer, uh, is that Kansas State has found the new offensive coordinator. Uh, he was, he's been there the whole time. Uh, quarterback's coach and former Kansas State quarterback Colin Klein has been promoted to OC after the job he did against LSU in the Texas Bowl. Um, before we dive into him as a fit, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit at this point like the the Texas Bowl was just kind of a final interview process for him, and maybe he had the leg up on the job, and they just wanted to see kind of how he did um, actually being in charge of the offense and having a, a few weeks to prepare and then calling plays. I mean, does it feel like this was kind of his job to lose, or do you think the bowl game, especially against an LSU team that was a little bit not at 100%, let's be honest, um, actually was the, the swaying thing that, that got him the job? Well, it was interesting. Before the game, Chris Kleiman promoted an interim OC after he dismissed Courtney Messingham, one of his best friends. So that, that wasn't easy in itself. And uh, he said, this isn't an audition. He, he said that. I mean, you know, he, he said he'll evaluate on the whole circumstance here. But I think it was an audition in ways. And not just the game. I mean, the whole preparation, the game plan, everything that went into it. And Colin is such an intelligent guy. I think uh, Coach Kleiman was blown away before the first snap of the football game. But, you know, as I said before the game, if Colin Klein stinks it up as offensive coordinator and there's no rhythm to the play calling and the team struggles on offense, it's going to be a hard sell for Chris Kleiman to go ahead and promote him. But on the other hand, if he shines, how does Chris Kleiman not promote him? And that's exactly what happened. The offense was really crisp in this game. 
and maybe it was in part because LSU was depleted, but they looked very well prepared, and the play calling had a little nuanced difference to it that really paid off, particularly on a, a whole collection of third downs that K-State converted in a row. Um, and I, I'm just really excited. Colin's a young guy in his early 30s, so he's young to be an offensive coordinator at the Power 5 level. But I think all of us that have been around Colin since the days he played at K-State in the early 2010s, this guy's a head coach. He's a head coach that's waiting, uh, you know, to get his learning curve caught up with his, his age, and uh, eventually he will be a head coach. And um, I'm, I'm excited to watch that journey because he is one golden guy. He is one of the best people you will ever meet. So what do you think about the fit here? I mean, did this, is this the, the right hire, um, or is, should they have maybe considered some more guys outside of the program? I think he did. I think Matt Wells, uh, another good friend of Chris Kleiman, was in the mix um, and honestly probably would have been the guy. I'm saying that from the outside looking in. If Klein had faltered in the Texas Bowl and Kleiman didn't feel good about it. But I think after the month of preparation for this game, everyone around the K-State football program felt good about this promotion, even at a young age. Because um, Colin doesn't carry himself that way, and he's a very – serious and astute learner and um, I think this is really good for K-State now will, will there be hiccups along the way sure absolutely every every coordinator gets to be the bad guy once in a while because they have a bad game or the, the plays just don't work sometimes the plays are the right plays they just don't work um, and so the OC can take the heat for that but I, I think Colin is very uh, level-headed and his temperament will lend himself to taking the criticism and the praise and not letting it any affect him too much at least it was one game. Don't like to overread into one thing, but was there anything we saw in from the offense against LSU that maybe was was different than what we had saw under Messingham that you think will translate into this coming season? Well, first of all, in Messingham's defense, he never had a healthy Skylar Thompson this entire season. Um, he was coming off a torn pec, which is a really bad injury, particularly on your throwing arm, which it was, and he recovered from that. Uh, then he injured the knee in the second game of the season and got injured again in the 11th game of the season. So he missed, I think, like four games in, in the course of the year. Uh, and he was the most healthy he had been all year. And that, that makes it a lot easier on an offensive coordinator. But you could see, uh, particularly on third down, some of the misdirections, some of the things, the way that he would construct plays. I think he delved into Andy Reid's playbook a little bit. We saw some of that in the use of tight ends and, and a little shuffle pass shuttle pass right on a third and one that picked up a first down. Just some really nice play calling. But, again, he had Skyler able to be mobile a little more than he had been all season. And, and Skyler's um, journey as a quarterback came to a perfect ending with being named the MVP of the game and performing so well for uh, his mentor who became offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll be interesting to see what Kansas State looks like this upcoming season and uh, Colin Klein, his first year as OC. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. I really do. I am really glad you were able to come on and share your message about prostate cancer and, and the desperate need for those to go and get tested. I'm serious. Like I'm, at this point, I'm going to text my wife and be like, maybe I need to go do this. I know I'm not close to 40 yet, but it might be a good idea. Yep, I, I appreciate you having me on and sharing this message. And if it reaches one guy out there, it's one that uh, goes into the doctor and they catch something severely wrong at an early stage, Matt will smile because he played a big part of that.
Social Podcast Network.